Hey, this is Eastlake BBA, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you. We hope this builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Uh, Sal, alcoholic. Courage, strength, and hope. Uh, before I get into it, let me go ahead and give you a little bit of background about myself. Um, first generation uh, from Italy, uh, youngest of seven kids. Um, my mom had her tubes tied before she had me. She thought she was done with my, with the sixth child, but lo and behold, I came through and here I am today. Uh, only person in my family to go through college and graduate. Um, and out of all that became a, in college, became a big pothead and learned how to grow, uh, hydroponics before it was even a fad and uh stopped once i got married and had kids and turned on to drinking um drinking got so bad that uh i was blacking out i was not the father that i wanted to be um a lot of it was just bottom of the bottle chasing that next that next high that next buzz and uh I ended up here and, you know, we go through the 12 steps and, you know, the, the 12 steps is, uh, the way, the way to freedom. Okay. I can say that courage, strength, and hope is in the, is in this, this big book. Okay. That we call, you know, the big book is what it's called, but a lot of it is soul searching we can go ahead and and if we look at the 12 steps over here on page uh sorry i had it saved but i missed it 59 that's what it is it went too far so we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol that our lives had become unmanageable that, that step right there, for me, was a breeze. I was flying high. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going gonna, gonna to breeze through this, these 12 steps. You know, I'm just like, you know, sobriety, bring it to me. Um, then came step two. Came to believe that there is a power greater than ours, uh, ourselves, and it can restore us to sanity. And that's where God starts to come in and... We, I was always a devoted uh, person in my religion. Um, so that wasn't an issue for me. Like, God, I knew him, but I lost contact with him. You know, between having, you know, having kids and being married and drinking, I lost complete contact with that. You know, I used to be able to get on my knees and pray every single day. And I had that relationship with him. And then the bottle came in and interrupted that. It was cut off. So I struggled there. But my sponsor told me, read pages 84 through 88 every day. And meditate and pray every day. And that connection started to, started to come back to me. Started to bridge that gap that I created. Then we move into step three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Now, I always understood my higher power, my God, and I had to take everything and turn it over to him. You know, everything that was in the past before step three, once you make that commitment in step three to turn everything over to him, you cross the line of darkness and light. So in doing step three, you're actually crossing into that light and you're creating that bond with God or your higher power, whoever that may be. And again, I felt, yeah, it, this is working. It's working through me. But all these steps aren't so bright and fluffy as 
you might think. You go to step four. You make a searching, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. That's where it kicks in. That's where you have to go into yourself and you have to look and say, who do I have beef with? Who do I resent? And being an Italian family, that, that resentment list could be a mile long, but I had to choose who I had the resentment towards that were really keeping me from God. Because if you have that resentment in you, it's going to hold you back and it's going to keep you from giving God your full attention so that way he can communicate to you how things need to be. And keep in mind, it's courage, strength, and hope. Okay? The courage is to admit at the, to the fact that you are an alcoholic and that you're unmanageable. Okay? That you're powerless over alcohol. Okay? You have to make sure that you are in contact with your higher power to restore us to sanity. Three, make that connection to God again. Your higher power that the way you understand them. And then you have to look at yourself and see where you're failing to communicate with your higher power. Now that brings us to step five. After you go ahead and you make your inventory, you look at yourself. Because it says a, a successful business does not run without doing inventory. If you can run a business without doing inventory, then God bless you. You know, that's, I have no idea how that's done. But five is you have to admit to God and to your, ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. And this is the gut punch for me. Because, again, I don't want to go back on, you know, just being Italian. But being Italian, we hold grudges till the day we die. You know, I have family members who... Stop talking to each other uh, up until the day they were in the casket, you know, and, and I think then that, that's too late. You know, it's too late to make your amends. That person's not there to listen to what you have to say. So as I was going through it, I was talking to Jason about it and, you know, my mom passed away six months ago, a little over six months ago. And my dad is, he's pushing 90 years old. And he's got health issues. So I bought my parents' house to take care of them in their later years. My wife and my, my kids moved in. We were always there every, anyways. We were always, you know, there for the Italian dinner on Sunday nights. And we were always there. My mom would call and say, hey, I got, you know, some pasta here. I got pasta there. I got, you know, come over for dinner. So it just seemed right to move in. And this is where my hope and my strength, my strength is coming from the fact that it's my parents' house and I'm taking care of my parents in their, in their dying years. And uh, I wrote resentments and I had a lot of resentments towards my siblings, but that wasn't the way my parents raised us. And the issue was, is, my mom passed away. Everyone was at the house while she was dying. And everything seemed hunky-dory. We put our differences aside. We all communicated. We all worked together. But then when my mom passed, everything stopped. My siblings stopped coming over. Only a few of us communicate. Only a few of us are... Uh, checking in on my father, see how he's doing. He has a prostate cancer and it's attacking his bones and uh, not doing really, really well. So as the youngest, I'm taking care of dad and my wife. I mean, who, whose wife will take care of their in-laws? I mean, or son-in-law will take care of the in-laws like it's their own, their own parent. So that's the where we're stuck in. And I had a lot of, a lot of resentment towards my oldest brother, his wife, 
and my sister. She's the only, the only sister out of seven kids. So she's more like a man than she is a woman. Um, not saying that to, to downgrade her. She, she can hold her own. Um, and I looked back and I thought, man, this resentment stuff's going to be easy. I'm going to write it up. But then you don't think about it because you're so angry. And it brings us to page 62. Selfishness, self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in the position to be hurt. And that was it right there. In my days of drinking, I only had a few weeks with my mom sober. And during that time, I felt like I was the king of the hill before I became sober. It's my mother effing house. You need to call me when you want to come over. You let us know when you're stopping by because we need to know who's in our in our house. I'm going to be walking around in my underwear. Not that I do that, but I might be walking around in my underwears and, you know, you're popping in trying to see mom and dad. That didn't happen. So what do I do? Put cameras. Got the ring doorbell. Put it there in the front. And they went around that. So I put a spotlight one in the driveway. I'm going to one-up you guys. So here I am bitching and complaining that no one's coming around to see my dad, to help out with my dad, to, to check up on him. But what am I doing? I'm pushing them away. But yet I'm saying, come in. You know, that right there is, is, is speaks a lot because now I'm going on to step six and seven and I have to be able to put that resentment aside. And this was a perfect time to sit here and talk about courage, strength, and hope. Because the courage is to, like I said, admit. The strength is the fact that it's taken me six months, almost seven months sober, to realize that I have this strength. But it's not the strength that I thought it was. The strength is here. Understanding that I do hold resentments and I do have issues. And that's blocking me from being connected with my higher power. I've got to get over that. I don't have to take the cameras down because the cameras actually helped out a couple times at our house. But I need to be able to make amends with the people that I've hurt. And yeah, they have issues, but like, they, like it says in the book, you know, I'm trying to be the director. I'm trying to be that actor that's trying to tell everybody what to do. Okay? In that book, I have to be able to go to them and say, you know what? You're a sick person, just like me. But I'm going to accept the fact that you're sick, and I'm just going to give it to you plain as Jane. How you doing? Good? Kids good? Good. All right, cool. I know you're an asshole, but I'm going to not say it. I'm not going to think it. I'm going to let it be. That is the key thing to this. So the courage, strength, and hope comes from the book. But the courage, strength, and hope comes from inside of you. You have to dig deep into the most uncomfortable spots of your life. And you got to bring it out. Because through darkness will come light. And it's been, it's been a dark uh, week, couple weeks, you know. I'm trying to let go. I'm trying to uh, make sure that I make those amends. But on the other side, there, it's, it's deeply rooted. There's things that were, that were done and said that I feel I can't make amends to 
But going aside and sitting down with, with uh, my Lord, my creator yesterday, as I was putting flowers for my brother who passed away when he was nine and my mom, I sat there and was just thinking and I was just talking to them, to my creator. And just, just give me the strength. Give me the sign that I need, that I'm ready to move forward with this six and seven step. And I got it in the fact that I knew what I was going to say here today. And it, it feels like, you know, a weight is lifted off of my shoulders. But all you can do is make amends for what you have done to them. What you have done to hurt them that eventually hurt you. Because I was so belligerently drunk that I forgot what the hell I did. Never had an issue with my brothers and sisters. Sister, but sisters with in-laws. I never had an issue. I always held my ground. You know, I was taught at a young age, you know, to stand up for yourself. To fight. And if I ever came home with a black eye or a bloody nose or a bloody lip, I'd get my ass beat by my brothers. You know, so I, I took that and I turned it on them. You know, you, t you guys taught me, so I'm going to do it to you guys. And that's not where it's at. Uh, today I'm making my sixth and seventh step and I'm, I'm moving forward. And I know for a fact that my mom and my brother are looking at me and they're just shaking their head in disbelief because I'm one of the most hardest-headed kids in the family. My mom said, don't go away to college. What did I do? I moved away from college, for college. My mom said, stop playing football. What did I do? I continued to play football. But now my, my God is telling me, stop being that hard-headed kid. Start working working with me and I will show you the light. I will bring you to brighter days and let me judge your siblings. Let me judge what they do wrong and the actions that they have done to fail you and your father. Don't make judgment. So as of today, that's what I'm doing. And they can either accept it or they could deny it, but that's not my decision to make. I got to go in front of them and make my amends and move on because once I move on, there's no looking back because it's a new Sal. It's a new outlook in life. And I owe it all to these four walls here in this book. So if you have any doubt, if you have any questions about it, read in the book, read the book, dive into it and dive into yourself and don't be afraid to do it because half measures availed nothing. Okay. Thank you. Octavio Alcajale. Octavio. Yeah, apologize for the alarm. Um, my wife's at Al-Anon, so she's getting out. Um, I'm going to go to a viewing in, uh, across the border right now. My uncle passed away, and, um, you know, I'm just grateful I got to know him, man. When I did a lot of drinking, I, I did it over there across the border. Um, it was kind of like, hey, go give me a beer and get yourself one, you know, at 14. And, um, you know, I'm just grateful today, you know, that I have that connection with that power, man, because um, I was trying to run everything on my own will, right, which now the, I give everything to God, you know, so, and thank you, Sal, for your share. I could relate a lot with family and siblings, and I, 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 I lost my dad three months ago and my mom eight years ago, and um, it's interesting, man, when the parents are gone, how we establish those boundaries and those connections, you know, and how to continue that, that legacy that our parents or wishes they want. So, so I'm working on that myself right now. Um, uh, we just came back from Tucson, like nine of us went over there for a retreat for AA and there's so much sobriety, so many people from all across from LA, Kansas City, Mexico. There's like 50 people, man, that are so motivated and driven to work these steps and to get better, right? So, so far, um, I shared that my takeaway is about being open and honest, right? And 
and trust God, you know, either God's everything or nothing, right? So right now, I know that God is everything for me, uh, regardless of what happens in my life. Um, I don't run away from him. And, and I um, have to come to terms and acceptance. Whatever happens in my life is that's what God wanted, you know? So again, I'm not wasting energy no more trying to fight things or outcomes or have expectations because man, that just drives me crazy in my head. So learning more about meditation, like enjoying the moment, right? Like we were out there in Tucson, the Saguaros, which are like these nopales, right? That are out there, these cactus um, in the, the riverbed, man. <laughs> It was so cool, Mike, and we were out there we were late at night, like 11.30 at night, and just trusting God, man, and seeing this full moon, right? The moon was full for three days and so bright, and everything seems so much clear, like the stars and everything. So that place is special, man. There's just being there in church, you know, walking in because the church is open and walking in the dark, right? And I haven't that... There's meditation rooms out there and, and just just being able to be able to be there and tell God, hey man, I want a, a better relationship. I want to stay connected and I feel that presence like huge and I haven't felt that in a while. So definitely it was a spiritual retreat and I feel more connected. So to thank and thank you for letting me share. Um I wanna get going. So the tokens and, and uh Louis, I believe you're gonna handle it today. Or Mike? Okay. I appreciate it for the support and um and I, I've been doing a lot of my Monday groups. Uh, I had this commitment before we started this meeting here. And um, so I've been going to a lot of my Monday group. The, the, it's a men's group that I do. And so um, y'all take care. Thank you. Thank you. Luis, alcoholic. Sal, thank you so much for stepping up and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. And, you know, uh, congratulations on, the, on reaching... Uh, where you're at in your steps, and, you know, just keep going, bro. Um, as I was listening to you, I was reminded of, at some point, after many years, I'm coming up on nine, but I really discovered, you know, coming up on nine, which, to be honest, like, where did the years go, you know? Like, meaning, uh, I could never imagine what nine would look like, and it's been an awesome ride, you know? Uh, yeah, there's been drama, but... Um, Man, I'm so grateful for this way of life. And so I was reminded of, at some point, you know, this message on page 153, then you will know what it means to give of yourself that others may survive and rediscover life. And that's really why I'm here now. Uh, and I keep coming because, you know, I have a new life. I don't think about alcohol. I'm not tortured by it anymore. You know, I'm just, I'm literally just, People randomly will always, will randomly, I mean, like, I, the message I hear when people bump into me is like, they say, uh, living the dream. And I really am. You know, I really am. And so, and this is the secret of it. You will learn the full meaning of love thy neighbor as thyself. And when I got here, I didn't know how. I didn't even love myself. But, you know, the good news is that God invites us in to bring us in to heal, repurpose us, and then sends us back out. One of the first messages that God gave man was, be fruitful and multiply. Again, I don't know what that means. When I got here, I didn't even know how to do that. But AA is built on that. Like, that's what our whole purpose is, right? Is to help others, including alcoholics. If we, we read here the original text, and so, you know, by just in time, allowing myself to be invited. I remember, remember those, uh, I remember early on I said yes to these invitations to go be part of some circle prayer. You know, in those early days, man, we circled up, a bunch of us, 10, 12 men, praying for others. And eventually, you know, those little circles would be praying for my family. You know, and we, every day we, you know, many of you in this room are included in my daily prayers with my kids and stuff. And so, and at some point I learned something that's called an acrostic, which is like a little puzzle, a word puzzle. And this one is bless. And so if you don't know how to love your neighbor, um, let me just share this one. It's bless. It mean, begin with prayer. Start just praying. And the cool part is that that's like a private thing. 
So, you know, like, you can just do that between you and God and just saying something, asking God to help that family or help that person. You know, just sending positive energy towards them. Second is listen. Man, I didn't know how to listen in the beginning. Right? Especially since we're, when I'm hurting, you know, I just want to talk, 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 talk. And the good news is that's what these meetings are about. Yeah, this is a great place to, to talk, to open up and just share with someone where you're at. There are so many people that have been there for me as I was sliced in half through a divorce or just coming in and really scared and hopeless. People were there ready to listen. And the second one is uh, eat. Share a meal with someone, right? Um, whether you believe in Jesus or not, Jesus' whole ministry was around, was around food. Everywhere he went, he was eating with people. So there's, you know, again, whether what, how you look at him or not, it worked for him. It can work for us. Um, the next one is serve. And that's what the whole 12 steps about. When you get to 12, you know, like we start serving in a way by guiding others through, this, through the steps. But the meetings, the fellowship side is so designed to early on to just whether you want to serve as a greeter, serve on the coffee team, serve, you know, here as leaders or just sh showing up early to pick up, uh, set up the table, you know, set up chairs or pick up chairs. Which everyone here helps. I really appreciate it. And the last one is share your story. You know, and here's the cool part, which is if you keep coming around, the good news is that God wants to rewrite your story. And so it doesn't matter what you did in your past. It, it does not disqualify us from the future that God has planned for us. So it's blessed. Begin with prayer. Listen, eat, serve. Share your story. And um, if you do that, believe me, you'll, you'll have a better life than, than if you just, like I was, all me, 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 but sell, read page 62, selfish. You go from selfish to selfless. So thank you for letting me share. My name is Victor, I'm an alcoholic. Um, experience, hopes, and strengths. Uh, so I'm I'm new to the Alcoholics Anonymous program, and uh, honestly, I like in the doctor's opinion how it says he thought the treatment a waste of effort unless I could assure him, which no one ever had, that in the future he would have the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. My sponsor, I I, I picked my sponsor because I was in the program with him back in 2017 and. See, this guy, I was all like, oh, this guy ain't going to be good. You know, I was already, like, like, saying all these things about him, you know. But, um, see, I see him again, and he has all this clean time. And so we click because we like punk beds and all this. And he goes to these shows, and he has uh, the, he, he could resist not drinking, you know, I, I, which I tell him, I don't know how he does it, you know. And, and so I, I thought about giving the AA program a chance. And so I was reading this, and I... Uh, I really liked how acceptance was the answer, how, how the psychiatrist states that until I could accept my alcoholism, I cannot stay sober unless I accept life completely on life's terms. I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and in my attitude. He goes on and says, when I focus on what's good, I have a good day. And when I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. If I focus on the problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the answer, the answer increases. And he answered with acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever is in front of me to be done and leave the results up to him. However it turns out, that's God's will for me. I must keep my magic magnifying mind on my acceptance and off my expectations. For my serenity is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I've never had it so good. Thank God for AA. And honestly, like now that I'm giving the program a chance, I see a lot, a lot of things change. Like working with my sponsor, I just finished my third step. I'm starting my fourth step, doing my third step prayer. Um, it took me a long time actually to do the first step though, cause I, like, I just thought I was a drug addict, and and honestly, I'm an alcoholic. You know, the first time I graduated the Salvation Army, 
I, I celebrated by drinking, and, and that was something I had to accept. You know, I had to accept that I was, that I was, um, the, that my life had become unmanageable, and I was powerless over alcohol. And once I accepted that, everything was so much easier to do for me because now I didn't have that, that, oh, I'm not part of this, you know? Like, when honestly here, I feel I'm in a good place because I could relate to a lot of people here in the story and, and working the steps and everything. And I don't know, I just felt like that was something I just had to say, and I, I just wanted to thank you guys for everything. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jason Alcoholic. Hi, Jason. Um, it's funny how things work. Um, just driving over here, I had a conversation with Michael. Um, told me about, you know, he went on past this, this Saturday and went to a party. And uh, there was alcohol there, and, you know, he just told everybody he wasn't drinking that night. And it really, like, struck me because I'm getting ready to leave uh, and go back to Utah to get my doctorate, my PhD. And, uh, like, I've been thinking about all these certain situations that, you know, uh, that I'd be put in because that shit's easy over there, you know, like you're sheltered, everything's like cool. And you, I work during the day, then I help the house at night, take these guys to meetings six nights a week. So that's all like cake, right? But the real world is like a whole different beast. And I've been trying to think of different situations, been, you know, that it could be in and it's stressing me out. And I mean, I know I, like I can go anywhere a free man goes and I have to rely on the fact like experience strength and hope is like rely on the tools I've learned from over there and in meetings like this and like all you know all your guys shares thanks Sal for your, your your opening there just little things like that just make me go I can do whatever I, I, I want but I got to utilize the tools that I've got I'm on the sixth I'll have 11 months sober and but I'm scared shitless at the same time because um, I'll be alone, but I have FaceTime, I have Zoom meetings, I can do that. Because it's not, it's not as expansive as meetings there as it is here in Southern California. So, um, and then, you know, just thinking like, why am I so stressed out? I got everything going for me. My daughter just passed a GRE, so she's going to be in grad school next fall as well. So we're both in school. So, and then my good friend, dude, he just lost his mom over the weekend. So it's like, you know, I care about him and like we all have his back and it's just like, it's not about me. It's about, you know, I, I can't think that way, but I have to also like plan for my my future. So I know I'm rambling, but I'm just trying to get this off on my chest. Um, so a lot of things, you know, even this big book study is, is good for me and I'm just trying to grab everything as much as I can before I leave and um, I just got to tell myself to utilize all the tools that I've gained from these meetings and, and the house and on my brother. So um, thanks for letting me share. Steven, alcoholic. Hi, Steven. So um, this weekend I had the opportunity to go to, a, to Big Bear for a camping trip. And um, I just had my meeting with my sponsor today. And I was telling him about temptation how temptation came across me and I was eager to drink because that was my 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 last resort to everything was if I'm stressed out, if I ever have a worry or problem, that I would go to drinking, you know? And we all know it's just never one beer, you know? So um, he told me, I'm glad that you acknowledge that. That's a big step in your sobriety for you to acknowledge that and know that you can work the three, work the three prayers or the three Ps, Pause, pray, and proceed. And I told him I did that before I even thought of to call him. You know, I mean, I'm always hesitant to call him because I don't want to be a, a burden. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to sit there and, hey, man, I, I'm stressed out. I don't know what to do, you know? And he said, it's okay to call me, but I'm glad that you decided to make the three piece, you know? And as, he, as we went on and he's giving me my homework to do, he saw how much I was devote, devoted to being in it and actually working the steps, you know? And as I'm barely getting on my first step and going through that process and that amazing opportunity to be up in Big Bear and have a spiritual awakening, it showed me that I am powerless, not only over alcohol, but over a lot of things in my life that I, um, it's unmanageable. Un my life is unmanageable. And I'm finally willing to accept that. You know what I mean? And I, I think that was a, big burden off my chest you know 
I told myself when I would leave down that mountain that I would leave all my worries up there. And when I got back home, I felt them trying to come back with me, you know, and I, and I, I couldn't do that. I, I can't accept that because how can I ever move forward in life if I'm just going to hold on to everything in the past? You know what I mean? So I just like, I, like you know, I just had to get that off my chest. And I'm, I, you know, for the brothers that were there and even the brothers that weren't, when I got home, one one of my old roommates told me that he could see the light in my face, the just the 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 Holy Spirit working through me, you know, and um, I I was surprised, you know, and through that whole experience, I I shed tears, tears of joy, tears of happiness, and then I realized I could be sober and have a great time with the great brotherhood that runs deep, deeper than most things that I understood in my life, you know. I always used to think, oh man, like they don't care. They're all in the same. They're all doing their own different thing. But it, it was joy, pure joy. I'm pretty sure a lot of people in that situation and in that opportunity, they got to experience something that didn't have to revolve around drugs or alcohol, and that was a great, great experience. And I, 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 I can't express how good it felt. You know, to finally let go and let God, to finally be able to move forward and not hold on to these resentments. You know, and as as I worked the steps, I, I I was telling my sponsor today, I don't think I have any resentments, and I told my my uh, my counselor as well. I don't feel like I have any resentments. I feel like I've always let things go. She told me that I minimize things, that I I don't always want to hold on to it because I'm just trying to push it all down, trying to let everything just be bottled up again, and I shouldn't do that. And then she gave me a a situation between my parents. She said, you're a father, right? I said, yes. She said, take what your parents did and imagine they did that to your daughter. And when she told me that question, I cried because I knew if that were to happen to my daughter, I would not I would be angry. I would hold a lot of resentment to my parents. Yes, it's happened to me, but I've accepted it. You know, and she's like, if you had that resentment in your heart you you because I, I i took a second answer and she's like there you go right there there's your there's your thought you know you knew how it felt inside you knew you would never want your daughter to go through the same things that your parents put you through so remember that put that in your list you know and as you do that more inventory and as you go through those things and you figure it all out dig deep inside because there's a lot of questions that you're pretty sure you're just minimizing that you're not answering because you're too scared to answer or that you think that it's it could be worse you know what i mean i said that once in our conversation she said i said it could be worse my life could have been worse you know what i mean that's me closing everything in and pushing it back down and i don't realize that because that's just my doing i've been so used for it for the last 24 years of pushing everything down that i don't see it anymore it's it's not it's not it's natural to me so as i go through it and i'm grateful that I'm barely reading chapter one, but even chapter one's great. Even chapter one. And as I'm working uh, chapter two now, we're starting to get into our steps. And I'm looking forward to it every time because it's an amazing thing that I know that once I come out of here, I know that I'll be strong-headed and have a mindset of that I don't have to do anything. I don't have to get high. I don't have to drink to have an amazing time, to be sober, and to actually realizing everything instead of being blacked out drunk and what happened the next morning. So I'm grateful for you guys to listen to me and I'll take another 24. Hey, my name is Michael and I'm still an alcoholic. Why am I? Um, thank you, Sal, for your share. Um, I can relate to a lot of things you said, especially with the family and uh, resentments that I have and you know, uh, it took a lot of uh, courage and strength for you to share what you shared up here because I keep my, uh, I try to keep my life very private. And like somebody said, I, I hold it in and I push it away and, and not really face face the problems that I have sometimes, you know, and uh, it's just easier that way for me. But as, as I do that and as I think back and think through that, it's one of the causes of my alcoholism. You know, it, it's probably not the main cause, but it's a big part of it. And, and it's the reason I drink. It's the reason I drink. You know, I drink to cope with problems. I drink to avoid problems. I drink to uh, forget about problems. I, you know, it's, 
drinking has been my solution to everything you know i uh yeah and and you know um Jason has shared, I, I went to a party this weekend and I overanalyze everything I do. Everything I do, I overanalyze. I have to think it through from the beginning to the end and have a plan. And this is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to do. And this is, and, um, you know, I was with, uh, I only knew one person at the party, the person I went with. And, um, again, I, you know, I was like, do I tell people I'm an alcoholic? Do I not do this? And it was easy as just like Jason has said, you know, they offered me alcohol. There was so much alcohol. There's so just, I've been a lot of Halloween parties. That's usually how they are. And all I said is, you know, no, I'm not drinking tonight. And it was that easy. It was, it was that simple. And nobody sweated me, man. It, it, nobody made a big deal about it. Just cool. They go on to the next person and they leave me alone, you know. And, and nobody asked me all night. And it was, you know, I don't really want to want to put myself in that situation but i'm glad that i did and i'm glad it came out the way it did because um you know i had a great time i've been to many halloween parties many many parties and i'm usually drunk and you know and this one was probably the greatest time i've had like at a halloween party you know and and i've had like good experiences with alcohol and they end up always great but this i really enjoyed this party it was it was really cool it was in a nice area I didn't know anybody, but everybody's really nice, and it was just it was just a great experience for me. So I was I was glad I did it, you know. Um, now will I go to another party? Probably not anytime soon, because you know unless I go with people that in the fellowship or 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 people that understand, it's probably not safe for me. But I just know that I got that experience over with and 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 that's one less worry i have today because again i i overanalyze everything everything is has to be a process everything has to be not really drama but just overthought and and i'm gonna see the worst in everything and you know and in my head it usually ends well it usually ends bad it usually just and when i face the experience and when i go through it with a sober mind it ends up positive and i end up learning a lesson and i end up not drinking you know and again it's as easy as i'm just not gonna drink today you know i i i seek long-term sobriety but today i worry about today because tomorrow's not promised you know if i die tomorrow i didn't drink today you know and i have to keep that in mind and and it's just so much easier for me to just worry about today so that's what I got. I'll take another 24. Thanks for letting me share. I'm Michael also. And I'm also an alcoholic. And I'm a drug addict too. Oh, my God. Oh, I know. But I've recovered from that simply hopeless state of mind and body. Um, thanks, Al. Um, and thanks for sharing it from your own perspective, where you've been and where you're at now. And... I like the reading you turn to also. So my troubles, I think, are basically of my own making at this point. I don't like that, and I do not like hearing that shit. My troubles are basically of my own making? No, y'all are my problem, you know? <laughs> if y'all would just behave, uh, my life would be really, really good. And then um, doing enough inventories, I get to a place where every once in a while you guys do behave, and I'm still pissed off, right? If she does it just right, or they do it just right, or I get a raise, I look at the check and, well, now I'm disappointed because it wasn't enough of a raise, right? Like, my troubles are basically of my own making. They're my attitude and my perspective towards God's world and God's kids, right? My, my in-laws or my brothers, my sisters, and my attitude and my ideas about how they should be living well, I, selfishly, I say how they should be living my life, right? But in the reality is, I'm judging how they should be living their life. I can't run mine. It's unmanageable, but I'm going to tell them how they should be running theirs. And I put cameras up and security measures, and I've been calling and checking and managing. And, and when they don't do it right, I get mad. I get angry, and I feel mistreated. And what does that do? Resentment, bitterness. That blocks me off from the sunlight of the spirit. You know, the very power that's got me sober and is keeping me sober. So do I see good reason to be free of these attitudes and this bitterness towards the people in my life? Yeah. Or it kills me. 
it destroys me. And some of us get destroyed in the rooms. We might be sitting in the side or in the back of the room someplace, years sober from drugs and alcohol and burnt up with no life. Like we've heard it before, the, the walking dead, right? Clean and sober, but the walking dead with no life worth living. And I didn't come here for that. This is the how and the why of it. Michael has to quit playing God. Why? It doesn't work. Um, and part of this is, it's, it's really confronting, but reading it a couple times over and over again, this is the how and the why of it. First of all, Michael has to quit playing God. A lot of times I don't think I'm playing God. But any place in my life that I'm not, we've done a third step prayer by this part of the book. Like, this is it. This is the third step prayer. So going forward, any place that I'm not trusting and relying on God, I'm playing God. Or in my case, even worse, I'm letting fear be my God. Fear of being disrespected. Fear of somebody confronting me. Fear of not getting what I want. Fear, fear, fear. And it drives me to do things that step on the toes of my fellows and they do not like that shit. They retaliate. And where have I put myself in that very position to be hurt? So God, guide my ideas, my attitudes, and please soften my heart and guide my emotions through this daily life so I can become closer to you, God, and I can get better in the world. And, you know, then we live more in the step 10 and 11 part of it, and we continue to grow. So... Thanks for letting me share that. And then um, I guess one of us is moving up north or Utah, maybe, Jason. If you want some resources in Utah, I'll get you some phone numbers and get you connected. All right. Cool. I'm Jason. I'm a recovered drug addict and alcoholic. Hi, Jason. Thanks, Sal. It's been awesome. It's been an honor, bro. Um, just scratching the surface man barely you know part of my problem and in, in this program was thinking that i knew what was going on and thinking that i knew everything right um i don't man i don't know shit actually and that's coming out of someone who sits down for months at a time with people and takes them through the steps you know but that's the truth that's part of my surrender is understanding that I don't, I don't know anything. Um, but with inviting God into my life, I've been able to help other people, like be a real help. It's, it's awesome. Unless you guys talk up here tonight and everything that was said, man, there, there's an answer in that book, dude. There's an answer in that book if you look. Going to Utah, scared shitless, 11 months sober. What am I doing? What's going on? There's an answer in that book. There's a real, but you cannot find that answer if number one, you think you already have it. Or number two, you're not willing to seek it out. Seek it out, right? First step in recovery, have an experience up on the mountain, come back, work with a sponsor. You will drink again if you do not continue to stay humble and surrender and understand. that you don't know anything and just let it flow, right? The answer to that, why that happened, what comes next, where you go from there, it's all right there. Um, to go to a party or not to go to a party? Should I be there? Can I go? Why can't I be there? What's going on? The answer's in the book. Plain as day. Plain as day, you just got to find it. And that's what's so cool about studying this program. Acceptance is the answer. Dr. Paul O, back of the book. That's why I believe you should have a full-size big book. Not an abridged version. Great story. That dude has written books that will blow your mind. Seek it out. Dr. Paul O, easy to remember. That's his name. Seek it out, brother. Learn about Dr. Paul. Learn about what he says about emotional sobriety. Awesome stuff. And even after all of that, I still know nothing, nothing without reliance on God and asking for guidance. What I'm recognizing today is the more that I clear that channel up through 
humility and understanding that I don't know anything, I can hear better. I can hear better because what's happening in my life is that I've been directed to ask for guidance, like really, really ask for guidance in my life, in every aspect of my life. Because why I'm standing here sober today is because God's doing for me what I cannot do for myself. It is a miracle. I should be loaded, period. That's it. And without doing this, I will be. I will be. And if I get cocky or cocksuredness like Bill talks about, I'll get loaded. It's so important, right? If I get too full of fear and don't know where to turn and don't ask, I'm getting loaded. That's it. Because that's what I do. So... I get to sit there and witness miracles. Listening to you guys is miracles happening, dude. It's so awesome. Continue, continue, continue. One of the most important words I believe in the book is continue. It really, really is. So just keep digging. And then like Luis said, what do we do? This is all about carrying this message and you cannot carry a message you do not have. And if you think for a minute that you're going to go through the work, get out of a recovery program and not immediately go and start helping others and you're going to be okay, you probably are sadly mistaken because that's what we're directed to do. That's all we are here to do on God's earth is to be of service to other people. That's part of what I'm learning that's allowing me to hear today. And the most important part of all of that is having guidance from somebody that's doing the same thing. Even when you're helping other people, Guidance from somebody else that's doing the same thing because you, I won't continue. I could do it all day long and because what happens? My ego blows up. Now I start to think I know everything. If I don't take that and get some guidance from somebody else that's doing the same thing, then I'm in trouble. And where did I learn that? In the book. It's all in the book, right? We walk together on a path of spiritual progress. That's what we do. And when we look back, we're going to see that our life is better than anything we could have planned. We take our hands and we place them in God's hands together. That's what we do. And as we do that, we follow the dictates of a higher power. And when we do that, no matter what circumstances, party, I want to drink, I don't know how to stay sober, I'm out of this program next week, I'm losing my mind, I don't know what to do, I can't, no matter what it is, God will sustain me in that circumstance because I'm following the dictates of a higher power. And that's what all you guys are doing by being here. And I get to be blessed and sit there and, and like watch it happen. It's so rad. I've been guilty of getting cocky. I relapse. It's taken me over five years to get over a year. So just remember, we don't know anything. Guidance, love. Thanks for letting me share. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe at eastlakebba.com. You can also help us reach others by spreading the word about our podcast. Thank you for joining us today on the East Lake Big Book Awakening Podcast.